Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, when you have your Bible there, shout amen. Paul, writing a letter to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And Father, I just ask now that you would equip our hearts to receive your word. Your word is already anointed, but I need an anointed ear to hear it. So change me. Equip me, soften my heart like sandpaper upon a surface that needs smoothed. Do a work in me so you can do a work through me. And let this be the gate that opens to a brand new season in my life as I recall your goodness and everybody say amen. Amen. At the time of this writing, Paul the evangelist, Paul the pastor, Paul the jailbird, Paul, the one who has been locked up and is sending letters uh, by his uh, sons in the faith and those that would scribe for him, after spending about three years of preaching at Ephesus, Paul decides that he's going to turn the ministry of this particular church to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And he leaves the hands of this ministry into a the capable hands of a young pastor. Now, I want you to describe, describe the time and the climate of which Timothy was pastoring. In fact, I would very much say that it is similar to the year of 2023 and what we see in the Western Hemisphere in North America in the climate and the culture of this land that we live in. Timothy was a young man in his first pastorate. And because of his youth, Not only did he encounter problems as any older person would, but those problems were magnified because his lack of experience in the ministry. Yet he was called of God, and yet he was stirred up of the Lord, and yet he had a heritage of a mother and a grandmother who taught him and uh, uh, who instructed him and kept him encouraged. But when you are in the ministry and when you are serving God, there are seasons of your life where you feel like you are all alone and that you are forgotten and that nobody knows the trouble you've seen and nobody really cares. You're thinking, God, what are you going to do to help me in this time of need? And so Paul writes a letter to encourage this young pastor because he knew that he was young, because he knew that he had to face false teachers that were in the church. A lot of time right now, we're dealing with false teaching on YouTube, false teaching on Facebook, and everybody that goes down to Perkins' house of pancakes and prophecy, trying to get a word from the Lord when really they should just stay right in this word because this is all the word. I don't have to run around and try to get somebody to prophesy over me. If that happens, it happens. But every every word I need 
is already in the logos word, the written word of God. And when I read it out loud, it becomes rhema word. <laughs> oh, come on somebody. And it gets in my spirit. And so he's writing to him to encourage him. I know you're going to combat false teachers on YouTube. Well, I'm paraphrasing. I know you're going to deal with people who will blow in, blow up and blow out. And the rise of false doctrine is everywhere. Come on somebody. This is the hour we live in. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to tithe. I don't need to do, I don't, I don't need to do anything I don't want to do. This is the attitude and this is the comprehension of people whose hearts have been deceived by the doctrines of this world. And then he would address the disorder that were in worship services and the, the need that Paul would have to tell Timothy, you're going to need to ordain qualified leaders that will help you in the ministry. So he's on the hunt to raise up leaders while he's dealing with false prophets and dealing with false doctrine and trying to take care of a church. Come on, somebody. And he's dealing with the spirit of materialism. Isn't that just like today where we just are so consumed with the, uh, even this Christmas season where we're going to buy stuff for people we don't even like. We're going to get stuff and go into debt. Don't you dare go in debt for Christmas. Don't you dare spend. Uh, if you owe anybody a debt, owe them the debt of love. Amen. Love people and, and, and increase their life and, and encourage them. But don't go into debt for stuff like that. Don't spend time. Oh, don't spend. So he dealing with the spirit of materialism. And not only that, some people in the church thought Timothy was too young to pastor. There'll always be somebody looking over their glasses funny at you. Wondering if you have what it takes. But God likes to surprise us. And he'll use who he chooses. So by the time of this writing that Paul's writing to young Timothy, Pastor Timothy, it is said that Timothy was already at the age of 30. But in the Greek tradition, they believed a man didn't become a man until he was 40. And we realize that even Jesus began his public ministry at the age of 30. So it's fair to say that Timothy had a lot to deal with as he was pastoring this church. In fact, I would say that he was dealing with discouragement. And there's not a person in this room that hadn't been discouraged a time or two. Oh, our thoughts were lifted this morning as we were reminded that his eye is upon the sparrow. That God will keep you when you can't keep yourself. Timothy was discouraged and Paul, realizing this, sends him a letter, not a text, but a handwritten letter by the scribe. And says, I know you're discouraged, but I want to encourage you, young preacher, to continue to serve the Lord and to serve him faithfully. And he writes to challenge him to continue to grow in the Lord and to stand for truth in an age of compromise. To stand against the opposition that you are facing. And I like what Paul says to him because he begins to exhort and begins to encourage. And Paul, at this point in his life, has reached a place of transparency where he's not afraid to talk about what he was because he knows now what he is. And so we could say this, and I want you to write it down, that Paul becomes the example. He says, Timothy, I want you to look at me. If God can use me, then God can use you. Paul said, I was a blasphemer. 
I was a persecutor. I was guilty of murder. I held the garments of those who stoned Deacon Stephen. And I, I was there when all of that transpired. And I was guilty of hatred and guilty of unspeakable acts. Uh, Paul is telling Timothy and that I was a very religious man. But although I was religious, I was lost in my sin. I had religion, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, I was once religious. I too was lost. I was guilty. I was deceived. Uh, I was ignorant. But then Paul said, I met somebody on the road to Damascus that shined their light up on me. And after he struck me blind, I was able to see so much better because God began to reveal himself and Jesus made himself known unto me. And you know, I feel like for the Paul this morning, I was once lost. I was once ignorant. I I was lost, disconnected from the things of God. I was deceived. I thought I was doing the right thing, but yet I was doing it the wrong way. I too was dead in trespasses in sin, but God saved me and it brought me out with his mighty hand. Is there anybody on this planet today and in this sanctuary that would say God brought me out and God lifted me up and God delivered my soul? Come on, he'll take you out of the wretched place he'll feed you up out of the lost place and he'll give you a place to put your feet where you can stand all right Paul says Timothy I want to remind you that I oh I was the chiefest of sinners if anybody was a ranked sinner it was me and I felt like Paul from time to time, anybody? I felt like him from time to time. I just couldn't get it right, couldn't talk right, couldn't do right. Every time I turned around, something was going wrong. But I have to remind myself when I'm in my low place that, that somebody went ahead of me to make it possible for me to be where I'm at. I'm thankful that in 1978, when I was eight years old, my mother led me to Jesus Christ. And I called on Jesus and I asked him to be Lord and Savior of my life. I'm thankful that just a, a few days, a few weeks later, they put me in an old lake called Springfield Lake and baptized me in water and the old man went down and the new man came up. I'm thankful when I was 15 years old, he called me into the ministry and told me to be about his business. I'm thankful that when I was 16 years old, he baptized me in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and we've been passing this church now for 24 years but while I'm standing here living there's still so much more room for improvement in my life I don't have it all together look at your neighbor and say Lucille you don't have it all together either there's room for improvement Paul said I'm an example then Paul said, let me talk to you about my conversion. Look at verse 13 and 14 as Paul describes to Timothy. He says, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and I caused injury to other folk. Mm, you, even your actions can cause injury. Your tongue. My mom and daddy taught me never put your mouth or your hand on a man or woman of God. But then he said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. 
So Paul begins to talk about two things that we would consider a great gift, mercy and grace, where God said, the Lord spared me from what I deserved. I deserve judgment. I deserve death. I deserve to be plucked out. I'd be in jail right now if I'd gotten what I deserved. Paul said, God spared me from what I deserve through mercy. And then God gave me salvation instead of what I did deserve. That was grace. When he gave me what I didn't really deserve. He could have given me what I really deserved, but mercy said no. Grace stepped in and said, but let me offer you this. And he saved me. Oh, I like the writer who said he saved me to the uttermost. I'm not just saved, I'm saved to the uttermost. Somebody said from the guttermost to the uttermost, God is a savior and God is a redeemer. So I, I would address those of you that are here today like me that could talk about your conversion, how God found you. You didn't find him. He was never lost. He, he found us. We were lost. So I've been in that place. God has given me not only mercy, but he's also given me grace and he's given it to me in great abundance. And the Bible said that where sin abounds, the grace of God, it doth much more abound. So I don't matter where I live or what environment I have to go home to from here, that wherever sin abound is, wherever there is ugly in the world, that the grace of God, it doth much more abound. So I can claim that mercy found me. I can claim that grace gave me. We did not deserve it, but mercy gave it to us anyway. Oh my God. Can I speak to some real folk here this morning? You didn't deserve the mercy of God. If you really got what was coming to you, you would be somewhere below the earth this morning, but God who is rich in mercy kept you and brought you and now you've got a testimony. Anybody got a praise this morning that he gave me a good job that he gave me a good home that he gave me good health I, I'm here today on my way to heaven not because of who I am but because who he is somebody say yes when you've received grace and mercy you're not stingy you're very liberal you extend grace and mercy to other folks and we are entering into what we call the Christmas the Christmas season where we will give grace to people and grace on top of grace and we will love people and we will help people because what we've been given liberally we then give to other people liberally so grace brings faith and brings love with it when you have grace operating in your life you also have faith and love working in your life as well and, and love will make you want to love people love will make you want to love everybody and Paul could not believe what he had uh, uh, formerly done and now because of the grace of God he could believe in whom he had formerly denied and he can say I now know that you are the Christ the son of the living God and when grace came into Paul's life it allowed him to love the Lord and love people uh, the former people that he used to persecute come on somebody I had a hard time I came up in the holiness way and, and in that way sometimes we were hard nosed with people and we, we looked holy but we had 
got a, door, a tongue from here to the door and we could cut you down in a minute. Come on, somebody. When you've got love in you, whatever God's doing in you will manifest on the outside of you and you'll begin to love people. Oh, come on. You can't go to heaven and not love people. You got to love even your enemies. Come on, church. And God has entrusted us to lead with love and to lead with faith. We must love the way that Christ loved us. Paul said, I want to tell you about my conversion. And then Paul begins to describe to young Timothy his role as a servant. I want to ask you a question this morning on December the 3rd. Do you have a testimony of being a servant? Are you serving? Well, they put me on planning center, but I'm going to decline that. And the notification will come back. This person has declined many, many, many times. <laughs> Only those that are serving know what I'm even talking about. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in, I'm in. Do you have a testimony of a servant? Because I want you to notice this, and I'm almost done here, but I want you to notice something. Paul said, I'm serving the Lord because he put me in the ministry. And I want you to dwell on this thought and ponder on this for a moment. God, Paul said, he found me faithful and because of my faithfulness, he put me in the ministry. Paul was in essence saying, I did not choose this. I didn't choose to be in the ministry. I, I'm always a little apprehensive of those who are chasing the mic or chasing the title. Because when God's call come upon me, I was running as fast as I could in the opposite direction because I didn't want to submit and I, didn't, I knew what it would require. I knew the standard I'd be held to. Come on, somebody, be real with me. I knew the requirements that would become that I'd have to tote the note and walk the line. And I'd seen my mom and daddy in the ministry and I thought, I don't want all that. And so when God began to deal with my soul and call me into the ministry, I was running from him. I was moody. Didn't want any time the preacher would come through or an evangelist or an apostle or whoever. I hid behind folk in the service. I didn't want anybody calling me out. And as the PK, I knew before the revival was over, I was going to get called out and I was going to get a personal prophetic word. And I knew I was going to have a gallon of oil poured upon my head. I knew before it was all said and done that I was going to come face to face with the word of God again. And God was going to come knocking on my heart's door and compelling me uh, to do his bidding. And I didn't want to do that. And I thought about a Paul this morning that he said, uh, it was because of my faithfulness that the Lord put me. I didn't choose to be put in. I didn't choose this. I, I didn't ask for this, but God put me in the ministry. I am what I am by the grace of God. I didn't come looking for this.
this. God put me in the ministry and all I can say to you today is now I have a responsibility since God said yes to him and I gave God my yes. I have a responsibility to do the work of God, be instant in season and out of season, to do the work of an evangelist, to make full proof of my ministry, to let no man despise my youth, but be thou an example to the unbeliever in my works and in my in my goodness and in the things that God has called me in purity. This is what I'm challenged the church today. Are you serving the Lord? Oh my God, are you serving him with fullness? Have you given him your yes? It wasn't you. You didn't come saying I want to be here. God said I put you here because this I'm preaching to somebody today. You're doubting today whether you should be in the ministry. You're doubting whether you should be in the faith. But let me encourage you in this old Pentecostal persuasion. Woo! It is good for you to let God put you in the ministry that you might be a work unto his goodness and glorify the name of the Lord. He will do a work in you so we can do a work through you and then you will be able to testify. Look at God. Your friends and family can't believe that God could use someone like you. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't be discouraged. I didn't even ask for this. And if God can use me, an old hellbender, a hellion, a roustabout, y'all don't want to preach with me today. If God can take a crooked man and make him straight, hmm, then he can use you, Timothy. And so Paul continues to write in his letter, verse 17 through 19. And he sings verse 17 with a psalmist anointing. Now under the king eternal. <laughs> I'm not quite the singer, but I say this. He sings verse 17 and says, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. He sings what he's about to say. Sometime before God speaks, he puts a song in your heart. And then he says, this charge I commit to thee, son, Timothy. He identifies him so that Timothy knows who he is. I am a son. According to the prophecies which went before on thee, he's reminding him that thou might by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience, which have, have some have putting away concerning faith that have made shipwreck of their faith. Concerning faith have made shipwreck. He was telling him, if you're gonna say yes, you better fight to keep it. This isn't a greasy grace, sloppy agape message. This isn't a, a message for you and I to hide in a cave and wait for the rapture of the church, hoping we never have to endure a day of conflict. This is that you might war a good warfare, Pastor Timothy, as you encounter false doctrines, false teachers, people leaving and loving the world more than they love God, run into this, run into that. They, they smile on the gram with their Sunday best, but live like hell all week. 
don't have a true conversion, aren't sold out to God. Nobody want to help me right here because we have come into a season and a time in the church and even in America where it's just a Sunday morning ritual and we come and we check in and we say, hi, Tom, and we say, hi, Fred, and we leave and we go back and do the very same thing that we did all week. Paul said, oh, Brother Timothy, let me encourage you that you might war a good warfare. Troubles on the rise. Heartaches on the rise. Turn on your television and see the news in Israel. What is happening in the world today? There are things that are coming that you and I, we better hold fast so that our faith is not made shipwreck. What I go through, I want to still stand on the other side and say serving Jesus is a reality. Oh, I'm thankful for the people that walk before me and prove to me that you can live it. I'm thankful for a mother and father who are baptized in the Holy Ghost, living for the Lord and raised us kids up to know the power of God, that he is a healer and he is a miracle worker. Keep your children in church. Surround them by the power of the Holy Ghost so that the world doesn't make shipwreck of your faith. You've got to stand and war a good warfare. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to throw away. This is not the time to slow down. This is not the time to throw in the towel. Jesus is coming, brothers and sisters. Jesus is coming and he is soon to return. God placed you where you are and your assignment will require faithfulness. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, find me faithful. I will say this to you before I close today that you have the resources for this service. You don't have to be the greatest singer for God to use you. And I was reminded of that when Sister Karen was singing this morning. I don't have to be the greatest singer, but thank God he gives some people the gift. And she took us up because there's an anointing on her life. Oh, Lord. I don't have to be the greatest preacher. Used to be, there was this, uh, this guy that was in our church that he told me he was a preacher. This was years ago and he, he looked like all of us. This was normal looking like all of us. And he asked me if he could preach. I said, well, let me, it was a Sunday night service. I said, well, sure. Let me schedule you. Got him scheduled for a Sunday night. When the man showed up Sunday night, I didn't even know who he was. He had on the tightest suit he could find. His hair greased back with some kind of lotion or oil. And he was talking like this, (laughs) Brother Hilton. (laughs) And I know we get in a big way of preaching, but I was like, who is this? When God calls you, you don't have to become somebody else. Just be you. Be you. I blame that on the culture and the climate of the churches we grew up in. That if you had a fiery testimony, we thought you were called. Not everybody's called. Everybody's called to preach. Some just do it in a pulpit. You don't have to be the greatest preacher. You don't have to be the greatest teacher. You don't have to be the greatest leader. You don't even have to be the smartest person. 
for God to use you. It's not about your abilities, it's about his. Amen? It's about his. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than y'all. <laughs> Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. And someone needs to hear this today. Have no fear. Have no fear. God has his hand up on your life. If he calls you, he will prepare you. If he calls you, he will equip you. He'll give you all the resources that you stand in need of because he's the one that puts you in the ministry. God will touch you in such a way that it'll mark your life forever. Psalm 139 is my last verse if the Lord will allow me to close here. And David, who had learned how to pray for himself in times of battle, when his family was captured and his resources were stolen, there are times you will have to learn how to anoint your own head with oil. You won't be able to, hit, you won't be able to get a hold of the preacher. I called the prayer line and couldn't nobody reach me. <laughs> You're gonna have to carry your own oil. Sister Karen told us she keeps a bottle of oil on her. She just travels around and God, whoever, she, she was praying for people at the restaurant. You got to keep your oil on you. While we were in Brazil, I saw, I asked for the oil. I was praying for people and I felt a need to pray for folk and, and I didn't see any oil handy. And then they brought me a, a bottle of oil. I'd never seen one like it. It had a, a squirter on the top like a bottle of Windex. I thought I was in a movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding where they, <laughs> Windex pick everything. And I saw that bottle of oil and I said, well, I've never seen it like this. And here I'm in the mode of prayer and praying for folk and I, I didn't know how to use it. I thought, well, I guess you just squirt folks. So I picked up the bottle of oil and I started squirting people on the heads. And while I'm praying, I had this entrepreneur spirit come up on me. I think I can market this. Come on now. I'm praying for folk. After the service was over, the interpreter come up behind me and he said, I just want you to know. He said, what we do is we just spray it in our hands and then. Uh... <laughs> they ain't never gonna forget me in that church. <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna have to go into the kitchen and get you a bottle of Crisco and anoint your own head and say, Lord, I know that you know where I'm at. I know that it was you that put me in the ministry. I may feel a little discouraged, but I know my help cometh from the Lord. He made heaven and earth and he'll not suffer my foot to be moved. In Psalm chapter 139 and five, David said, you go before me and you follow me. 
and you place your hand of blessing on my head. <laughs> if you know that he has, I want you to stand to your feet. That he has gone before you and he follows you. And you have placed your hand of blessing upon my head. You may be going through a hard season right now. Minister Karen, I want you, if the Lord will allow you to minister with our praise team today to sing with us. But I, I just feel and sense today that there are people in this place right now. You needed that letter of encouragement from Paul who said, the Lord found me faithful. I didn't choose this. He chose it for me. And he put me in the ministry, brothers. Timothy, I want you to know he put me here. And if he put me here, he'll put you there. And if he'll put you there, he'll keep you there. No matter what you face and what you go through, the trial of your faith worketh patience. Patience, when it's finished with its course, will bring you into plenty and you'll walk into blessing. But you've got to let the Lord do the work that he establishes in you. And if you're here today and you need the hand of God to be placed upon your head, to be reminded that he went before you and he followed you, then as we lift our voice all across this place, I want you to slip out of your seat. Our prayer team's already in place. We're going to pray for you. And you may have come to this altar every service. Don't you let anybody ever talk you out of coming to this altar. This is for the saints of God and the sinner alike. It don't matter what your need is. If you need a healing, come. If you need the hand of God's touch upon your head, then come. And as we present ourselves to the Lord, we're saying, God, thank you for you finding me faithful. Come on, come on. No matter what you're going through, if it's your marriage, come. If it's sickness, come. If it's disease, come. If it's finances, come. His eye is upon the sparrow and I know he watches you. The Lord is here today to move on your behalf. If you'll come this morning, we're going to pray the prayer of faith with you as they sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 